Open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse 7 and go through verse 17, I believe. 1 John chapter 4, second sermon in a series entitled, Don't Join This Church Until. I know that sounds funny and it even feels funny somehow to say it, don't join this church. Uh, but understand the importance of what I'm trying to say here, what I'm trying to illustrate and, and, and bring from Scripture. Joining a church is a very important thing. Now, it's not salvation. Joining a church is not what makes a person a Christian. Surely you all know that. We talked about that in the last message where we said, don't join this church until you're saved and baptized. You've got to become a Christian first. But in the New Testament, there's no other way to grow and serve Christ and live a life for Christ than to live a life that is connected to his body, which is the church. When I'm baptized into Christ, I become baptized into everyone else who's baptized into Christ. Our lives become very, very vitally and wonderfully connected. And so let's talk about that connection for a brief moment this morning from 1 John chapter 4. It hasn't happened very often, but actually several times through my uh, being your pastor here, we've had someone walk the aisle and join the church. And I know that happens pretty much all the time on both campuses. But the thing I'm trying to say is every now and then somebody joins the church and they come in and we all come by and we shake their hand and, and I hug them and I tell them I love them and we're so excited to welcome them. And then guess what? We never see them again. I really don't understand that. I don't understand why you'd walk the aisle, join a church, and never come back. I don't know if one of you says something when you come by and shake their hand, or if you got really, really bad breath. I don't know what in the world would run a person off like that. But honestly, more than once, more than several times, you'll have someone who'll join the church, go through all the motions, and then they just disappear. They just disappear. This is what I'm trying to say. Joining a church matters. It really matters, and it means something. And when I say don't join this church until you're saved and baptized or don't join until you're willing to love us, I'm not saying don't join. I'm just saying really think about the commitment you're making. This isn't something to rush. This is one of those covenant kinds of commitments like marriage, and you really need to think about what you're, what you're about to do. Which brings us to 1 John chapter 4. It's written by the Apostle John who lived longer than all of the other disciples of the Lord. John reached an old, old age. And church tradition says that in the very end, when they would bring the old man in into church, into worship, and give him the opportunity to preach, that the Apostle John used to have one three-word sermon. And it was simply, love one another. One of those who saw Jesus face to face and walked with Jesus and was an eyewitness to the cross and the resurrection, one of those who was an eyewitness to everything, in the end, he had just three words for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And what he said was, love one another. And remember, he had been one of the sons of thunder. Love one another. Let's come back to the Apostle John's message for us this morning. It is about love. Joining the church is a solemn commitment to love one another. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, here's what the Word of God says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for, say the words with me, God is love. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Let's say that again. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. We're talking about love. Actually, we talk about love a lot. In our culture, there's a lot of talk of love. But uh, the Italians, any Italians in the house? I mean, I eat at Fazoli's, but that's about as far as it goes. Any Italians in the house? There's an Italian word that there is no English equivalent for. An Italian word. They can say something about love that we can't say because they have a word for it. And the word is ready. You can say this after me. This is your Italian word of the day. Inamoramento. Okay? And it helps to do this when you say it. Okay? <laughs> say it. Inamoramento. Yeah, awesome. Inamoramento. Any idea what that would mean? Inamoramento, it's a noun. Amore is the Italian word for love. Inamoramento. It simply refers to that earth-shattering moment when two people fall in love. Inamoramento. Do you remember that moment when you fell so hopelessly in love with, with, with the girl of your dreams, with the man of your dreams? Inamoramento, that moment, that moment when the worlds came together, that moment when from that point on all you could think about was him, that moment when from then on your whole world revolved around her, that moment. The Italians have a word for that Moment. We don't have a word for that moment, but we've probably experienced something like it. I, I know I have, and I thank God for it. That moment when I fell so in love with the woman of my dreams, the inamoramento. But if you notice when John talks about love, he doesn't use words like that. He doesn't use words that have anything to do with momentary things. The word for love in John and the word for love in Scripture is a different kind of word. And notice how John weaves these words in and out of each other. If you're reading the old King James, the word is abide. John's main word for love is not a momentary word, but a rather permanent word, abide. In the New Living Translation, which we're reading together today, the word is live with, live in, it lives. In other words, for John, love is not something that appears in a moment. 
As I said, I know some of you, I know some of your love stories. You say that it was love at first sight. You just fell in love at first sight. And I understand what you're saying, and I celebrate it with you, and I think it's beautiful. But I'm telling you, love does not fall on you in a moment. You may see that person and have an instant connection. You may love how that person makes you feel in a moment. But love is not something that appears in a moment. It is something that abides. You understand? Because if love is something that appears in a moment, then that tells me that it's also likely to disappear in a moment. And you know people who experience that too. Love is not something that appears and disappears in a moment. It's not really about how another person makes you feel. Please spread the word. Love's not a feeling at all. I know that because in the word of God, in the book of John here, we're commanded to love. We're instructed to love. That means love is something I can control. It's something I choose. It's something that I will myself to do. Honestly, it's something that comes from God. Love is not what the world teaches us. Love is not what you see on the soap operas or or in the movies. That's not love. That's something else. Love that is genuine is from God and it abides. It lives with us. It lives in us. And God is love. That's what John says. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. His word is abide. And he can say that we should love one another now. Don't miss that part. When John says love one another, this isn't one of those general universal messages that we should love everybody. And we should love everybody, just like Jesus loves everybody. But that's not John's sermon here. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the love we have for everybody. He's not talking about we are the world. That's not what he's doing. That's not his sermon. This is not a general admonition to love everyone. This is a particular instruction for those in the church to love one another. This whole passage is written to believers, to people who are in the church, and he's telling them to love one another. That's interesting. That's interesting. In a church our size, it's a packed house today at 8.30. We'll have another good crowd at 11 today. Praise God. And right now, joining us on video is the Franklin campus, and they've got a full house. And that's wonderful. And somehow, we're all one church. It's enough to make your head explode, isn't it? Somehow, we are one church. I don't even know everybody at the Franklin campus. I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet. I I hope to. I I want to. But that's beside the point. Some of you on this side have never even met some of the people on the redneck side in this house. You've never made it over to the redneck section at the Woodburn campus. I invite you to move over. Shake hands with a redneck. We don't always even know each other very well. How can Scripture tell us to love each other? Because you can. Because you can. We're not talking about how another person makes you feel. We're not talking about an instant kind of connection. It's not that at all. It is simply this. Because I have God living in me and because you have God living in you, we have love in our hearts. And that means whoever I meet, if they belong to Christ, I love them. 
I'm going to love them. I'm going to treat them with love. I'm going to love them just as Christ loved them. It's a decision I make. Love is a way of being in the world when God is your source of life in the world. Do you understand? Love is your way, your whole way of life when God is your source of life. I have God living in me. Therefore, I have love in me. And that love is to be expressed very, very importantly in the body of Christ at church. Love one another, John says. Continue to love one another. That's why I say if you're thinking about joining Woodburn Baptist Church, you got to stop a minute. You really need to stop and think about this because this is a very serious commitment to love people. That means you've really got to make a commitment to love all of us. Hold on just a minute. I read on the front of the bulletin that it says Woodburn Baptist Church is a family of Christians that loves everybody. Well, I want everybody to love me. Yeah, I know that's what you're thinking. I have days like that too. But it's not a commitment to come in and have everybody love you. That's not within your control. When you unite with the church, this church or any Christian body, understand, it's a commitment to love. You're going to love people. You can't control what other people will do. You can only control what you do. So when we say Woodburn Baptist Church is a family of Christians that loves, if you're going to join us, you've got to be willing to love. We're not talking about how other people treat you. This is how you're going to be in the body of Christ. Now, ideally, if we all join and we all understand the commitment to love each other, this is going to be heaven on earth. But obviously, in any church, this one included, everybody didn't get the memo to love one another. We have people in our congregation who aren't very good at this. We'll talk about that in a moment. So why do people join a church anyway? Why would anybody join Woodburn if it's not for love? What gets in a person's head that makes them come down, walk the aisle, and unite with the church if they're really not ready to love people? What's in their heads? Well, 80% of people who join a church, according to statistics, 80% of people who join, join because, why do you think? Because that's where their family and friends already go. 80% of people who join a church join that church because that's where their family and their friends already go. That's why they join. Because that's where they already have family or already have friends. Now, I'm not saying that's altogether bad, but I would say that can be the wrong reason to join a church. I go through the community of Woodburn and I knock on doors and I invite people to church. And I'm telling you, nearly everybody in Woodburn tells me that they are members of one of two churches. And I won't name them, but they tell me they're members of one of two churches, almost without fail. And I'm telling you, these two churches are tiny, tiny churches. If everybody who says they're members of those churches went to those churches, they'd be mega churches. But most of those people who live in our community have grandparents who go to those churches, or great-grandparents. And therefore, that's grandma's church. And so what they're telling me is, if I ever get my bones to church, I'll have to go to grandma's church, because that's grandma's church. Listen to me. If your grandma knows the Lord at all, she's going to want you in somebody's church somewhere. Grandma's going to want you to go to church. It's not enough to never go to church, but tell yourself, if I ever go, I'll go to grandma's. I'm telling you, it's not about going to the church where grandma goes. 
Grandma's church may not be the church for you. You don't necessarily join because you've already got family and friends there. That's not the reason to join a church. Wrong reason. Second reason a lot of people give is because of the pastor, because of the preacher. I don't get that. I honestly don't get that. But I know it's true. In almost any church, there are people that are there just because they like the pastor. You can always spot them because when the pastor leaves, what happens to them? They leave too. Yeah. No commitment to the body, no love for the people, no real involvement in the mission of that church. They're only there in order to worship and adore a pastor who's a human, and he's going to leave or he's going to die or he's going to mess up, and then where are you going to be? Following after some hillbilly redneck preacher. The preacher is not the reason to join the church. Don't join any church because of the pastor. The church does not revolve around the pastor. The fact that I speak in this church worship service does not make me the most important person here. I am not more important than anybody else. I'm just one of you. Do not join a church because of the pastor. Not this pastor or any pastor. Wrong reason. Wrong reason. Beyond that, the list goes on and on. Some people join a church because they like the music there. Now, honestly, I love music, but music isn't the reason to join a church. Or they join the church because they have a really good nursery program or, or youth program or maybe a church with really, really good air conditioning. I don't know. People have a long, long list of reasons why they go to a church. They like that church because it looks like a church. I've heard people say that. Wrong reasons. Wrong reasons. I don't find anywhere in Scripture any of those things even mentioned. They are not the important things, and they're certainly not going to be the things that unite us together. If we try to get together on music, it ain't going to happen. If we try to get together on a youth program or a music program or anything else, it's not going to happen. If that's your reason for being here, wrong reason, wrong reason. And this is why it matters so much. Because if you're in the wrong church, or if you're in a church for the wrong reason, you'll never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. And that means, for the most part, you're never going to grow spiritually. All of the things that John says is supposed to be happening inside of you won't happen because you're in the wrong church or you're in church for the wrong reasons. It's never going to happen. You are going to be one of those spiritually stagnant people. Spiritually stagnant. You're not going to grow because that's not why you're here. That's not what you're thinking about. You're going to grow stagnant. Y'all know anything about stagnancy lately? On your way out this morning, drive by one of those big old ponds of water. Drive by the big pond of water by Joe Neal Balance's house. Roll down the window and take a whiff. That flood was now weeks and weeks ago. That water is stagnant. It's been sitting there. It sits and now it stinks. That's stagnancy. And honestly, a lot of people in church, that's what happens to them. There's no growth. There's no life. They're there for all the wrong reasons. Therefore, they're just sitting. And if you sit before long, you're going to soak, and then you're going to stink. It's stagnancy. Some of those people are never satisfied, and therefore they are the ones who typically will cause problems. They're going to complain. They're going to criticize. And it's just because they're there for the wrong reasons. 
there for the wrong reasons, or maybe in the wrong church in the first place. But that's not why you're here. All of these wrong reasons to join this church or any church. We join because of Christ. We join because of love. Notice a few things that the word of God says here. It's just incredible. Uh, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. In other words, what God is doing inside of me and what God is doing inside of you, this is what matters. And this is why God brings us together in a church. Because God wants to do something in our lives. He's changing me. And the process of changing me we often call sanctification. He's making me holy. In other words, God wants to make me like Christ. And there is going to come a time, and if you know the Lord, you'll be there and you'll see it happen. Because when it happens to me, it'll happen to you. You in the same moment, the scripture says, when we see him one day, we will become just like him. We are going to be just like him. This is where all of this is leading us. The Christian life is a life of becoming progressively, day by day, more like Christ, more like him. So what that means is, in the church, I am here and you are here not to be made happy, but to be made holy. We're not here to make each other happy. We are here to make one another holy. It is the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and he will use us in one another's lives, not to keep each other happy, but to make one another holy. Holiness is our desire. Holiness is our aim. If you've come here and you expect this group of people to keep you happy, you're going to be so unhappy. You're going to be so unhappy because that's not what the church is. Oh, I I know how disappointed you get because often I'm the one who hears your complaint. And I'm not criticizing you now or judging you now. You just really need to understand that it's not about you like that. It's not about your happiness. This church does not exist to revolve around you. And don't join this church or any church if you're just joining in order to have other people serve you. That's not the point. And you're going to be disappointed. You won't stay here long if that's why you're here. I've had actually several people in my ministry say, Brother Tim, I stayed home from church last Sunday and I didn't get card one. If that wasn't so silly, that'd be hilarious. I stayed home from church last Sunday and nobody sent me a card. I didn't get card one. (laughs) Are you kidding? You think we need to send you a card and invite you to your own church? You're waiting for a phone call for somebody to invite you to come to your church? You're not getting this, are you? You're not understanding this. It's not about what people do for you. It's about what you do for people. Are you sending cards every time somebody misses? Are you doing that? Because if you're doing that, baby, you can complain if somebody skips your card. But if you're not out there doing what you expect everybody else to do for you, you've really missed the point. You've missed the point about love. And if you've missed the part about love, you haven't gotten to any of the parts. You understand? It's all about love. It's all about love. It's not about how many people visit you when you're in the hospital. It's about how many people you visit when they're in the hospital. It's about God working in your heart. 
to help you love perfectly. Verse 18, this shows that we have experienced his perfect love. It's amazing. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. It's not just that I'm here to grow holy. In this life, what God is doing in my life and in this church, he's teaching me and you to love perfectly. It's like a school of love. And we're all progressing and we're moving toward knowing how to love each other perfectly. We're not there yet. I don't love you perfectly. You don't all love me perfectly. But that's what we're moving toward. That's what we're growing toward. That's why it takes a whole lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness and a lot of mercy. You just can't wear your feelings on your sleeve. You just can't swell up and get mad all the time. You can't always have one door, one foot outside the door of the church thinking, if these people don't learn to love me, I'm leaving. It's not about that. You've got to learn to love too, which means you've got to forgive people and you have to have mercy on people and you've got to give people a, a lot of leeway. You've just got to love people the way you hope they love you. We're learning to love perfectly. It's taking some time. It takes some of us a long, long time. But this is why we're here. This is what the church is about. We're learning to love perfectly. It's going to take us all of our lives. You ever know any of those people that when they pull up at the parking lot at Piggly Wiggly or Walmart, they got to have two parking places? You know those people? Some of you are those people. That's another, that's another sermon. What is that about? Got to have two parking places. What are they saying by taking up two parking places? I mean, I'm in a parking lot with 100, 200 cars, but I need two places. What am I saying? Something more important about me or something more important about my car. I have seen some cars in two places. Ain't nothing more important about that car. Do you understand? But somebody's thinking, I'm more important. My car matters more than other cars. What else are they saying? I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I need more space because I don't want you bumping into me. I don't trust you. Yeah. A lot of people come into church with that kind of attitude. They just want more space. They don't trust people, don't want people bumping into them, can't really risk that, so just stay back, baby. I need some space. No, no. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I'm saying we got to get close. You got to get close. Yes, people are going to bump into you. That's part of it. I need you in my life. I need those of you who love me and those of you who I'm just always so happy to be with. I need you in my life. I also need those of you who really, really try my patience. I need you. I need that guy who wrote me the most awful letter the other week. I mean, he was cussing me and telling me I had ruined his cussing life. Do you understand? I mean, he was all over me. I need him. Now, it took me a while to remember I need him, <laughs> but I need him. I need him, and you need me, and we need each other. We're going to try each other's patience. Do you know why? Because we're learning patience. 
And I'm going to have to learn to forgive you. You know why? Because I'm learning how to forgive. And I'm not loving perfectly yet, but that's Christ's goal for me. He's teaching me to love perfectly. And guess what? I am practicing on all of you. I'm practicing love. And and so are you. It, It requires that we get close. Close enough to bump into each other. Close enough to hurt each other. Close enough to love each other. So if you're thinking about joining this church or any other church, or maybe you're already a member of this church, I just want to remind you what we're here for. Not to keep each other happy, but to be a part of that process of Christ working in our hearts to make us holy. Along the way, we are learning to love perfectly. Not there yet, but if we'll get close and let Christ live inside of us, May not be perfect love, but there still ought to be a lot of love. Pray with me. Jesus, there are some within the sound of my voice who do not have you inside them, and therefore, Lord, they struggle with love. They struggle with every kind of relationship, Lord. The marriage isn't working. It doesn't work with the kids. It doesn't work at, at work. It doesn't work anywhere, Lord, because those who do not know you do not know love. Lord, sadly, some of us who do claim to know you, we still live like we don't know what love is. Lord, forgive us, help us, change us, make us more holy, make us more loving. Oh God, as a church, we are so imperfect. We are so prone to to be selfish, so prone to expect everybody to love us and do for us, and we forget our personal obligation to love everyone else. Lord Jesus, it matters less what other people do for me. It matters so much what I do for them. Oh Lord, give us all hearts full of love. Lord, we know that you said that the whole world would know that we belong to you. The world would know what the church is about when we love each other. Oh, God, help us to love each other. Help us to love each other just as you love us and like you love everyone else. Help us, Lord. We are so far, so far from perfect love. Help us, Lord, to grow in love. We pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.